Welcome to Let's Jaws for a Minute, the podcast which takes a deep dive into Steven Spielberg's 1975 classic film Jaws, minute by minute or thereabouts. I'm Sarah Buddery. And I'm MJ Smith. And this week we are joined by a guest, a returning guest, um, with a new name. Uh, (laughs) Everyone, (laughs) welcome to the show, the newly christened Martin Buttery. Martin, how's it going, man? Uh, Really good, thank you. Thank you for letting me come back on. Yeah, uh, I mean, we you basically have a standing invitation, I feel like. Uh, <laughs> pretty much, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, we've asked you the Jaws question before, but there's been a very recent, very big development that we have discussed at length on this show. Uh, so we are going to take the time to talk about the buttery white wedding, or hashtag Bud White Wedding, right? Yeah, that, that's yep. the- yeah, yeah yep. that's right, yeah. There you go. So, how was getting married, you guys? Yeah, pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. It um, the day was perfect. We we couldn't afford it, and yeah, yeah it just it was just a really perfect magical day. Really, it was. Yeah, it yeah. was like I can't remember if I if I said this probably off air to you last week, MJ. But like when people are like, "Oh, it's like the best day of your life," I was like, "Yeah, it it might be, but like maybe there's been better days." But after it was all done, I was like, "Yeah, that was the that was." That was pretty. That was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pretty, uh, pretty good day. Uh, and I didn't take anyone seriously when they they told me that the day's gonna really fly by and go so quickly. Yeah. yeah. Um. I I was so surprised how quick how they went. It's yeah. a blur. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. I the the morning seemed to go like super super slowly, like the getting ready and everything, mm-hmm. and then. I, there was a moment where I just like remember the photographer being like, Sarah, it's midday. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> I have to be at the church in like an hour and a half. Yeah. Um, it was fine. Like was on was on the schedule, was like ready and everything. But it was just, it was that sudden like, oh my goodness, like in an hour where I'm going to be like getting into the car and getting ready to go. So mm-hmm. yeah, it absolutely flew by. But we it's funny like all of that planning that goes into it and i mean how many times i've spoken about it on on previous episodes as well like everything that goes into planning a wedding and then it all just like happens and it goes by just so so quickly but to see everything that we'd planned just happen was so great like we'd we had all these kind of like little movie references and stuff maybe we'll Mm -hmm. get to the jaws references but um just like uh our table names and stuff we had named after directors we had lots of little references to up which is one of our favorite pixar films um and all of that stuff was was sort of the stuff that made it personal to us and made it feel like our wedding Mm. but we also just kind of wanted the day to it's gonna sound really cheesy but (laughs) we wanted it to just feel like a film just like Mm. everything how you see it in the movies is everything like perfect and just that feeling of like magic in the air and there was that and i don't know 
how exactly that happened that's not something you can really create and no amount of planning just makes that stuff happen but we we kind of wanted it to have a look and feel like old classic romantic films yeah yeah golden age yeah like old hollywood inspired and just all seem to kind of come together and personal favorite or one of my highlights is our first dance which you've seen haven't you mj yes video of (laughs) on instagram yeah you find me uh sarah underscore buttery i think on instagram and you will see our first dance in full uh i should say first dances uh because we did two uh we did a lovely sort of classic first dance to cheek to cheek from top hat or people might know it from the green mile or you you might know from the green mile as well um the fred astaire film was our original reference point for it and then the second dance uh we learned the choreography from uh pulp fiction the jack rabbit Mm -hmm. slims which everyone went wild yeah we didn't tell anyone that was happening (laughs) so i briefed my man of honor like about half an hour before it happened and was like after we do our first dance you need to like pause it whilst we get in position for the second dance and he was like oh yeah um but that was the first that was the first anyone knew about it and it was to everyone else it was a surprise so yeah that was a lot of fun it was it was it's funny because i I feel like I had a unique perspective on the the Bud White wedding in that I obviously <laughs> wasn't there, so I knew a lot of this stuff going in. <laughs> and so <Yeah. laughs> I was this like little steam release valve of like you're bursting to tell someone and you can tell MJ because yeah. I don't know your friends and also yeah. I'm, you know, 3,000 miles away. <laughs> yeah, um, I kept telling you stuff like off off mic, obviously, yeah. so as not to spoil yeah. it for everyone. And the yeah. stuff that was <laughs> was in the wedding, we hilariously beeped on previous episodes, like answers to the quizzes and stuff like <laughs> yeah. that, which yeah. is real stupid. But yeah, it was... Yeah, I think I told you about the, the, the first dance and mm-hmm. um, a lot of the kind of other things yeah. that were... Because it was just fun to talk about, and I, yeah. I love talking about it. Did you so. talk about the to MJ about the soundtracks that were used in for the ceremony in the morning? No, like um... oh yeah. So I so I walked down the tourists aisle on the me. menu on repeat. <laughs> so many people were like, "Sarah, are you going to walk down the aisle to the Jaws theme?" And I was like, "No." <laughs> Could you imagine, like me coming down the aisle and it's like, "Duh." <laughs> It wouldn't, yeah, it wouldn't gel well, I don't think. No, so we went with the more sensible option, yeah. which is I walked down the aisle to um, Love Theme from Cinema Paradiso. Oh, um, I love which that is, movie. Oh, yeah, such, such a good a film. Movie. One of my favourite scores. We both love Ennio Morricone, so yeah, I was like, do. this has mm-hmm. to be it. Yeah. Um, and then we walked out of the church after we got married to um, Married Life from Up. Yeah. Um, oh. Which is great. Um, yeah. Made yeah. everyone cry. Yeah. So. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And everyone loved my uh, grape soda badge I wore. Yeah. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. You had a little grape soda badge. Did you tell MJ the the story behind the grape soda badge? Well, I can now. You can Uh, now, yeah. Yeah, Go ahead. (laughs) Yeah. A very kind of like sweet and like, yeah, sad story behind the the little badge. It was given to me by someone who I know just through social media. um, Mm. And unfortunately, uh, his wife passed away. Um, He had worn that the little grape soda badge at his wedding um and then just kind of like reached out to us and was like hey i'd love to send you something from our wedding it seems like really appropriate for the kind of wedding that you guys are planning and then sent us this lovely letter and sent us the badge i cried a lot when i read the letter because it was just such a sweet lovely lovely gesture um so you were obviously really happy to to wear that badge on the day and then afterwards i said or i reached out to him and was just like 
obviously if you want it back i'm happy to like send it back to you but i've also had this idea that like maybe if we know someone who is getting married and it mm. feels like something that would fit in with their day could we like pass it on to them to to wear and then it just becomes this thing that kind of gets passed down like couple to couple or whatever yeah. well, um, something borrowed he, right yeah exactly yeah and he was like yeah that that sounds amazing so yeah it was lovely yeah, it's it like so many people like commented on it yeah. and stuff as well it's just yeah. a really nice little little yeah, touch everyone and loved it. everyone yeah. i told the story to then like cried because it was so <laughs> sweet yeah. i was like yeah, yeah it's a it's a lot it was just it was a real i think you felt like really honored to mm. to wear it yeah. just you know a, yeah. not a stranger but like someone who i literally yeah. just know through social media yeah. sent us it and i was yeah. like we had a lot of uh, references to up at a wedding we had like the guest book as the adventure book from up yeah um we had the kind cake of topper. cake topper. Yeah, I saw the cake. Uh, yeah, yeah, the cake. Yeah. We <laughs> cake didn't actually have any of that cake. All our guests <laughs> ate it and we never had one single slice. Yeah, apparently <laughs> this is like a rare thing. Like most times people have like the cake left over or loads of the cake left over and mm. all of our cake got eaten, which I guess is testament so to how good it was. <laughs> we, had, uh, we had our friend Hannah bake us a cake uh, that mm. was a very non-traditional wedding cake, but... She made several cakes for us, and um, we tasted them, and the best one was her carrot cake. So oh, I love carrot cake. Yes. Yeah. So she baked us a carrot cake, and then we just bought, like, sheet cake for everyone else. Mm. And so we didn't have half a cake each on our wedding, but we, um, we had our slices of cake from that carrot cake, and then everyone else got sheet cake. And then the next day, we had lunch with just our wedding party, and we finished the mm-hmm. cake with the wedding party. Oh, nice. Yeah. <clears throat> we, we got some, we had some cupcakes as well. So we had friends mm. making the cakes for us. So we had like the main kind of tiered cake and then we had some cupcakes as well, which we did manage we to eat. We had some of the cupcakes. Yeah. Make lovely. sure we Obviously, <laughs> swipe had most, some of those. Most of the carrot cupcakes. Yeah, we had, car- <laughs> we had carrot cake in our cupcakes yeah. as well. So yeah. it was all our like favorite flavors because <laughs> I don't like boring wedding cake when it's yeah. just like, the kind of standard like fruit yeah. cake or like yeah. just a normal sponge we had, cake. Like, popcorn so. on our uh, tiered cake. Yeah, popcorn decoration. I think it was caramel the main. Yeah. The main cake. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. wouldn't know. Didn't I know. Get to I eat don't it. know. <laughs> it. Yeah. <laughs> it was a shame, but never yeah. mind. It was. It was pretty. It was nice to look at. It was. It was very <laughs> nice to look at. Uh, Martin, do you want to mention? Uh, my speech and the Jaws quotes that I managed to <laughs> sneak into. <laughs> uh, you said the the usual kind of uh, qu- a quote that most people use is uh, uh, was it "Good wife, great life." No. <laughs> happy wife, happy oh, yeah, life. Happy wife, happy life. But I'd go with um, Hooper drives the boat, chief. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's really annoying because um, we always go like uh, out in the morning to get a coffee from like a, a drive through Costa or Starbucks. Um, and one time I, I really thought she would uh, uh, get out of the car to get coffee for change because I'm always the one that gets out of the car myself. <laughs> um, and like I say to her, do you want to go out and get a coffee this time? She's like, no. I was like, why not? And, she, and her response to me was because Hooper always drives the boat, chief. Correct. <laughs> As the driver in the, this partnership, I drive the car, you pick up the coffee. So annoying. Yeah. That's the way it works. It's um, not fair. <laughs> I think it is. Yeah, I told uh, I told the story on the show before, but uh, I, I because Sarah told me that she does that to you, I did that to Kristen one time and she was not happy. <laughs> I, I don't blame her. <laughs> she was real mad about it. 
<laughs> yeah, I had to find I had to find a place for that in in my speech. There was um, another Jaws quote in your speech though too, wasn't there? Yeah, I, I can't think of the other one. What was the other one? I think I it was something along the lines of that um you I was saying nice things about you that you you put up with all my weirdness and stuff and yeah. and with me quoting <laughs> Jaws at you every day. And then yeah. I think I said like I was oh, tempted to y- yeah, fill okay. the speech. Yeah, fill the speech with Jaws quotes, but if that was gonna happen, I was gonna need a bigger speech or something. Yeah, I need a bigger speech. Yeah. <laughs> need so a bigger stupid. speech. It's just come to me now, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> because that was the first time I had heard a group Wahey. Yes. Uh, is when you sent me the video of that and I was like, "Oh, that's so fun." Uh which I'm still I'm still trying my best to get it to catch on here in Fort Collins. Uh Yeah. Someone yeah. someone dropped a, a a glass, a bartender dropped a glass the other night at dinner and I went, "Way!" and you just hear from the other side of the restaurant, "Fuck!" It's <laughs> like, oh, that was two different reactions. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. But um, Sarah was telling me before, like he did that last time, and your wife turned around and said to you, "Stop, stop trying to act so British." Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that made me laugh. <laughs> Honestly, oh, makes my day just hearing the legacy of the way hey uh, <laughs> being across the world now. Uh, causing many strange looks in many restaurants uh, just makes me very happy. I didn't even pick up that there was like a way in my speech until you pointed it out, MJ. And then I was like, ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I sent you the gif of uh, Leonardo DiCaprio pointing from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because yes. that was what happened when it happened. I was like, hey, they did it. They did the way. <laughs> I, didn't even I guess you could anything. also do the uh, say the line. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, my uh, there were other references to. I think your best man Daryl. He had a he had a reference to Jaws in his speech. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, my dad shouted out the podcast. Uh, oh yeah, you told me about that. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, uh, thanks, Ian. He'll probably never listen to this, but um, yeah. In he was sort of like talking about me and everything in my life basically and and sort of mentioning yeah, right achievements from the beginning, when like when you were born in hospital yeah from like when <laughs> yeah. i was born to, to present day and sort of like talking about the, my various the whole timeline. achievements and, yeah. and projects and things and yeah and he mentioned the like the podcast like by name and i was like i was real tempted to stand up and be like available on all uh, good podcasts you're all new episode tomorrow <laughs> yeah he said something about me that got a lot of lost in it sarah oh <laughs> i don't know if we want to <laughs> want to tell this story on a podcast, Martin, but... No, go ahead. I have no shame. Okay. Uh... <laughs> and then we will wrap up the wedding chat. Yeah, I feel this is a yeah. good point to end yeah. it on. Yeah. So we, right after we got engaged, we went on like a, a family holiday with my parents um, mm-hmm. to Hamburg. And because <laughs> because Martin is gluten intolerant, limited in what foods you can yeah. eat. So the hotel yeah. we were staying in had like a, um, a breakfast buffet type thing. Yeah. But a lot of it was like pastries and bread and stuff like that. So I sort of pointed out the things that Martin could have. And then he like went over and and got like a plateful. And he came back with a plateful of seven sausages. Um, Just (laughs) sausages, nothing else. No, scrambled egg as well. Oh, scrambled egg as well. Sorry, my my mistake. And bacon, Um, maybe. (laughs) And my parents were just like, that's what you're eating. Okay. Um, So from that point in my family, or to my dad at least, Martin has been known as Seven Sausage Martin, Um, which a nickname without context is open to so much interpretation. Sure. 
yeah, I feel like we need to explain the story first before. Well, we, quite. Yeah. We tell everyone that I'm seven sauces <laughs> Martin. Seven sauces Martin. What a ridiculous story. Honestly. I mean, here's the thing. <laughs> I also love sausage. Most days for lunch, I will eat sausage. So Mm -hmm. uh, I totally understand that. Oh, I I love sausages. Yeah. Yeah. We saw. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Devonis is right in front of you. It sure was, yeah. I mean, you did make, you know, you make the most of a breakfast buffet. Exactly, yeah. And I did. Every morning. (laughs) I I think if anything, this gives you a new Twitter handle. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Maybe, maybe, yeah. Maybe, yeah. Maybe I should change that. <laughs> and just let people ask what it means. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or guess for themselves. <laughs> yeah, I, I like them playing the guessing game. Yeah. For, for yeah. A while. Exactly. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. <laughs> a man I of history. I mean, I know, I know your day was perfect, but it does feel like a missed opportunity for you to not have walked down the aisle to Tiger Shark by Kristen Falls, but. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna put it on the playlist, but uh... played it, yeah, in, in the main party, <laughs> and just see the confused reactions from everyone. Just yeah. like what? <laughs> they wouldn't care. Everyone got really drunk. Yeah, <laughs> they're like banging their heads to the song, jump around and, yeah. and stuff. So, Give them yeah. enough free yeah. wine, they'll dance yeah. to anything. Yeah. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I was gonna say next time, but I don't, I don't want to do. <laughs> Next time, when you renew your vows, yeah, (laughs) in twenty years it'll go on the playlist. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. Well, congratulations, you guys. I know we've talked about it on the on the pod a lot. So uh, yeah, yeah. and then you guys just had a nice holiday. uh, Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You guys went to Cornwall. Cornwall. Yeah, yeah. 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 It was great. I just lovely wanted to not cook for a few days and not have to worry about yeah. the weather held up surprisingly well as well it didn't really rain that much we had yeah nice blue skies, so yeah going away good. in november you're like especially in the uk you're like it's probably gonna rain every day but it was fine we yeah. got to the beach yeah. and lots of nice walks <clears throat> yeah. and yeah yeah plenty really of sausages for breakfast yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> went high up in cliffs at, at like a uh, keen office uh castle ruins that yeah was really great. yeah um, that was fun yeah. you yeah. I made you walk across the big scary bridge. And I was so scared. <laughs> I feared for my life. I thought the a bridge was going to collapse that, when I got into the middle of it. Yeah. Uh, Personally, <clears> that's just a fear I had. Was, was it like a rope bridge or? or... No, it was. No. So the the previous day we'd been to the Eden Project, which is like the it's like the rainforest indoors, basically. Yeah. Okay. And in there, there is like a kind of like scary bridge, yeah. sorcerer style rope bridge. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I made Martin go across that, and that was because you're cruel. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, that was a bit like dicey, but then <laughs> the sort of like real life version of that across like two cliffs, basically, to get Oof. from like one part of the castle I to the look other. Down. It was solid. It was like there was no. I was like Steven Spielberg on Temple of Doom. He was too scared <laughs> to cross a bridge, making Temple of Doom. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, well, at least you don't have a truckload of dynamite that you're no, trying to get over true. this um, <clears throat> bridge true. right now. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah like Sorcerer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I get it. I I don't have a bridge thing necessarily, except for one time we were driving across the San Francisco Bay Bridge to get to the bay in Berkeley. And uh, it was foggy. It was super foggy that morning. Mm. And as we were driving across, I was like, 
I've seen this movie. There's a Godzilla <laughs> tale just waiting. Like, we are going to get Cloverfielded right off this thing. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. my my bridge fear is even more irrational than this bridge could collapse. It was a kaiju is eminent. <laughs> <laughs> a Godzilla is about to swipe me off of this bridge. <laughs> yep. I just, I, I'm going to hear Screonk and then a tail just come right through the middle of the bridge. Yep. <laughs> <clears throat> it could happen. I've seen that film. <laughs> yeah. Why would they lie about something in a movie? Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> Have you seen Cloverfield? It's a documentary. It's They filmed it all handheld. It was people exactly. documenting their yeah. night. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cloverfield really happened, guys. <laughs> it's a true story. Yep. 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 <laughs> Just like uh, the Indianapolis. <laughs> just like, yeah, based on real events, much like the Indianapolis. Uh, yes. This is not a Cloverfield Minute by Minute podcast, though if someone wants to start that podcast, let me know. I love that film. Um, this is a Jaws podcast. So the scene we're talking about today is from one hour and 30 minutes and 21 seconds through one hour and 31 minutes and 30 seconds, maybe 31 to 32, depending on your copy. This is the first time I've really noticed a discrepancy between mm. uh, our copies of the film. I think it's 131 on 131, on mine. Um, mm. yeah. So, but yeah, it's, it's, so it begins with uh, Quint saying they didn't even list us overdue for a week. And it ends with him saying, um, then all you, uh, then you hear that terrible high-pitched screaming and the ocean turns red and spite uh, of all the pounding and hollering, they all come in and rip you to pieces. So it's a light scene this week. Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. So uh, it's still Indianapolis month. It's still the, uh, the Indianapolis beach. Um, we're halfway into it. And... Uh, before we get into it, I want to say thanks, everyone, because we had a decent response to the last one. It seems like people really have been waiting for this section of the film, understandably. Yeah. <laughs> so um, what did you guys pick up uh, in in this little isolated section of the Indianapolis speech? Um, the main thing I picked up was uh, with this um, dialogue uh, delivered by Quint, I feel like um, it's gone from um, a kind of an edgy thriller to a like full-on horror film territory. Um, mm. This is the kind of yeah dialogue that made me feel like oh okay this is this film is actual actual an actual horror. Um, yeah, and it, to be honest, the dialogue that was used could be used in any film, not just a shark-related movie. It could be used um, in a kind of zombie film or a vampire film. It mm-hmm. could be used in any kind of horror films that's kind of the main gist i got from from this little bit mm. i think it's the the sort of the mention of like the the eyes like the lifeless mm. eyes and the black eyes like even though there is mention of the shark in this bit like the the horror in this scene is in what we're being told rather than in what we're seeing and we see plenty of horror in jaws we see the sort of like the blood and the people screaming and the people getting killed by the shark or attacked by the shark um a lot in the in the first half of the film but the second half of the film is obviously light on that until we we only really have quint's death in the in the second half of the film Mm. whereas the first one there's sort of four or five deaths um but 
this description and i think particularly this segment is just really quite horrific and we watched this scene a number of times today in preparation Mm. for it and every time he sort of like talks about like the screaming and the ocean turning red um and even just a sort of matter of fact way he says that they come in and rip you to pieces it's very graphic um and obviously that when you know that this is talking about a real event as well it just adds even more horror to it i guess yeah, um, we were sort of talking off mic, and I don't necessarily want to get into commentaryism on him as a human being. Um, <laughs> but we were sort of talking about the films that Mel Gibson has directed and how they are very over the top with their gore and violence. Um, but, uh, you know, I think Spielberg, he can get a little gory too, but there's a difference in the way he handles it. Um, and I think this is the prime example of it in that you never really, well, I guess saving private Ryan would be the prime example of it, but, but, um, it feels so real and justified. Whereas like, you know, in, uh, and the reason I, I would pick a Mel Gibson film is that it's supposed to be, a lot of his films are based on real events or at least real mm-hmm. historical things. Um, whereas like, it's not a horror movie that's going for like big over the top gore effects. It's supposed to depict real life situations. And while it is true that some of that was very, uh, hard to see, I'm sure, um, it feels like you're almost doing it because you can. And in the work of Spielberg, it feels like you're doing it because you have to. Um, and I think this is a good example of that with, in the words. And I think even... If you look at the book, like the, the one of my big complaints about the book is how gory the book is, which is, sounds like a crazy uh, thing to complain about because it is just words. But it's so the book revels in the violence of the shark so much that it makes yeah. me feel gross when I listen to it. Um, and this here, it doesn't feel like that. Like this feels like it's based on someone's real life World War II experience of... Mm-hmm seeing their friends ripped to pieces by sharks like that's gonna leave a that's gonna leave a mark (laughs) um just by the very nature of of that event happening so it it just it is gory but it's completely justified and it's not it is horrific but it's not exploitative and i think spielberg does that better than any filmmaker when it comes to really 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 horrendous violence Mm. on screen i mean you could even schindler's list you can look at that too and like this is it's funny because you know this movie has nothing in common with schindler's list or saving (laughs) private ryan but uh you can kind of see the origins of that in this film where it's like he understands the tone with which to handle in particular real life atrocity Mm. i think as well like the the focus in this particular bit of the the speech even though there is a lot of mention of the shark i mean i'm just looking at the script in front of me and i can see you know two three four times that the 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 word shark appears but the the focus is really on the the human tragedy still and because it sort of repeats several times about like the screaming and the pounding and hollering they're sort of phrases that you that you see i think twice or hear twice in this in this bit um 
and that's where the film is so much better than than the book for me is that the focus is on the people and on you know the the human characters and how these events are impacting them whereas you know you're right mj what it goes into in in the book is it seems to revel a lot more in those shark attacks like in that sort of like blood and guts and gore and really sort of talking in depth about what the shark is doing whereas what is more effective i think and why the film is better is that it focuses so much more on the human impact and i mean this is even though it is quint talking about the the sharks and when they're sort of like you know they're they're in the water now in the indianapolis story um that he is telling he's not sort of he's certainly not reveling in in the violence because the way he's talking about it is you know his his buddies were were killed his you know his his friends his comrades whatever were were killed so the focus or or his sort of way of talking is really focusing on the human impact of that and mm. even though it is quite um visceral i guess in in sort of the way it talks about what the sharks were doing particularly at the end where it says you know they rip you to pieces um the there's still just something yeah that that sort of subtle subtle horror that i think is something that spielberg does really really well and just going back to the book actually because yeah i've never read the book and i've heard previous episodes that uh, <laughs> uh, both you and mj really really hate the book so is it because it goes too far in the kind of gore and violence in the book and not so much with about the um human impacts um more mm. into, uh, into about the characters that you don't like I'll I'll let you trash the book first, MJ. And then <laughs> yeah, it's the in. it's the everything for me. Yeah. Um, it just like the 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 thing about the book is the shark is the hero. So the characters in the book are all just pieces of shit, man. Like, yeah. like they they're all despicable people with like ulterior motives. And uh, do you know that that Hooper and Ellen Brody sleep together in the book? Have you heard that? No, I did not. Hate, I haven't heard anything about the book. <laughs> okay. What goes on? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So Hooper and Ellen Brody sleep together in the book, and it, there's like a whole subplot with Larry Vaughn being like a pawn for the mafia, and that's why he's keeping the beaches open. Oh, because I heard he, about that. Yeah. 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 He owes the mafia money. It's so stupid, and like, uh, <laughs> I don't remember who brought it up. It was a guest, but they mentioned that the big thing that the movie has over the book, besides being just infinitely better, and the reason it is infinitely better, is because it makes Amity a place worth saving. And yeah. in the book, you're just like, I hope the shark gets legs and kills you all. Like, Land <laughs> um, <Lion> shark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Telegram. Uh, and <laughs> then also when the shark does kill people, it goes into, like, an excessive amount of detail into mm, the, like the, yeah, it's really gross like just like it brings up like the temperature of the blood spilling onto the shark's skin and like what bits of them he's eating and how they're being ripped apart and all this and you're just like this is disgusting like this does like this doesn't make me feel good and it's not you know martin i know we both love horror films yeah. and it's different than like if I watch a particularly gory horror film that's really over the top and reveling in the violence because I can look at that and say, oh, that was awesome because it's a cool special effect. Mm -hmm. And so I get the like I get the joy from that, not of like watching someone die, but of watching a, a cool like something that a special effects artist rigged up to make it look mm -hmm. that way. 
This yeah. is just words. So you're just like, this guy is just like really excited that he gets to kill these people. Mm. Yeah. And that's it. Okay. okay. Yeah, because Peter Benchley, I I think I'm getting this right anyway, he basically, after writing Jaws, he felt bad um, because he felt that like his writing or you know his work was partly responsible for people kind of turning against sharks. And he worked mm-hmm. really hard in sort of like shark conservation and stuff after that um, because he was like, you know, my my book and, and you know, subsequent film by association have sort of like made people misunderstand sharks and make them think that yeah. they are this type of thing because that was how my my book painted them to be and basically in <laughs> i guess i can sum it up with like in the book the shark is a monster and all of the people are monsters mm. everyone is terrible everyone deserves to die um it just doesn't really give you anything anything to root for and i think that what you said mj and was one of our guests that said it i think is about you know amity has to be a place worth saving it isn't in in the book but it no. is it is in this and you know we we care about all of these characters and we really really care about these three now because we've spent so much time with them and and this is it for the the rest of the film now and this is our our chance to sort of like you know learn a bit more about quint and why he why we should care about him as well because up to this point if you don't like quint in the film fair enough i mean (laughs) he's you know he's made a lot of off-colour jokes and, you know, dirty yeah. limericks and sort of, you know... We find that funny, obviously, because it is. Uh, but he's not particularly nice to to any of the characters, really. And so if, if, if you think Quint is unlikable at this point, honestly, fair. But it's it's this bit now and this sort of, like, speech as we, as we learn a little bit of, like, why Quint is the way he is that we we start to care about him. So really now there is, like... You know, we've we've left Amity behind. The person who we really, really disliked was was Larry, who Martin had a great time trashing on the last time, <laughs> the last episode that you came on for. Um, but this bit is, I think, particularly important in just really opening up Quint to the to the audience and making him much, much more likable. Because we're like, oh, I get it now. I get why he is the way that he is you know to a certain extent anyway because he has been through some stuff <laughs> as this as this bit sort of shows us yeah i was just going to quickly go back to the book again sarah so yeah. do you feel like sharks have become really misunderstood after the book came out like after peter benchley finished writing the book i think it's read it? i think it's getting better right yeah. like it's mm-hmm. i mean sharks are still like the bad guys in films sometimes just because you know people i really enjoy a monster movie i really like cruel i really like most shark films you know if you're gonna make the shark the villain look i'm probably gonna watch it uh, (laughs) (laughs) um just because that's the the kind of film that i like but yeah i think that work certainly have to be done after jaws to put things right and interesting actually that it was peter benchley himself that chose to chose to do that i think he yeah. saw <laughs> he saw the error of his ways i don't think you could necessarily blame him i think that's really difficult to sort of say you know it's because of you it's because of this book because the certainly the way the film paints it and what we've spent so much time talking about on on this podcast is that 
this film isn't anti-shark it's pro-human and that's that's two very very different things just because we are on the side of the humans doesn't mean we are against the shark um but this i guess this bit of the indianapolis speech and sort of hearing about the true horrors and the things that the sharks you know did or, or quint is sort of telling the others that they did is i guess the yeah in this moment we are meant to fear the shark and that's okay you know because they are a big especially at this point the big well i think also (laughs) if you go through the experience that quint has you're gonna not really see sharks as like right very cute you know like yeah i think sharks are adorable i also haven't watched my best friends get eaten by them over a period of a week you know like i'm sure if that happened to me i'd have a much different perspective on uh shark conservation um i'm sure you would so i you know i think it just it speaks to like experience and yeah things like that but yeah i mean the book and the film uh did kind of put a uh, a cloud in the shape of some killer humans over the shark community. Yeah. So if I was if I was ever to read something based in Jaws, it'd probably be the Jaws log. Um, yeah, I say they talk about yeah. that quite a lot. Um, that's something I'd be keen to read. I yeah, think. read that. Yeah. Don't yeah. read. Don't read <laughs> that, and then if you uh, if you're interested, I haven't read it, but I can only assume it's not as exploitative as Jaws is. Uh, close to shore is okay. the book that is the real life New Jersey shark attacks that the yeah. the, oh, right. the the book okay. and the film are are loosely adapted from okay um, so those yeah. are the, that's like the, that's an account of the real life events surrounding some shark attacks in New Jersey in the summer of I want to say 1916 mm-hmm. um, yeah. and that was a, a big influence on Benchley writing jaws oh okay cool yeah they yeah. they mention it i think coincidentally in the last scene that you came on for martin or certainly close to that oh, right, when okay. mm-hmm. they, they when they're talking to larry they sort of yeah. like make a reference don't they to like new jersey or yes. or something like yeah. that yeah that's the yeah. that's the real kind of thing that inspired peter benchley to write jaws and there is a book on that which i've not read but i need to we had it recommended i think katie recommended it to us if not katie then someone else mm. um apologies for forgetting but yeah that's that's on my to read mm list i feel like as a jaws fan it's one of those like key texts that i need to uh, <laughs> that i need to read um, yeah. and engage with but um yeah just to pick up on i think something you were you were getting at mj is what how quint talks about the shark and i think particularly evident in in this scene it always strikes me how different it is the way quint talks about the shark to the way hooper talks about the shark Mm. Um, because they have both had very, very different experiences with sharks. And we spoke in, in sort of previous episode when they sort of first see the shark and Quint is straight into to battle mode. You know, he's getting the harpoon, he's getting ready to take down the shark. And Hooper is so excited to take a picture of the shark. Um, and he's calling it like darling and beautiful and stuff. And just yeah. the way that he talks about sharks, he is quite affectionate really and he obviously greatly admires them because he has devoted his life to studying sharks and even though he's had some sort of pretty scary encounters with them you know which you spoke about in just the you know sort of the previous bit when they're comparing scars he mentions uh, a run-in that he had with a shark and how that resulted in an injury he still talks about them in a very affectionate way which is completely different to the way that Quint 
talks about them so the way quint is talking about sharks in in this scene and the things that he's saying about them and he is really painting this picture of of sharks as monsters in this scene you know particularly Mm -hmm. that that bit when he's talking about their eyes which i think is you know one of the really memorable quotes that comes out of of this speech um is because his experience with them is very very different (laughs) and this is what it sort of like stems from as well and he hasn't had all these like nice encounters with sharks like like hooper has where he's been like studying them uh he was you know on on this boat or whatever that was was torpedoed and there were sharks in the water this was something that he just had to deal with um he didn't sort of put himself out there to go and to go and study sharks and hooper sort of became involved with sharks by choice or by wanting to the sort of career that that he chose to pursue um and quint his first encounter with a shark was he had no say in the matter really obviously it's a risk if you're at sea or in the navy or on a boat or whatever um so that i guess explains a little why they sort of refer to the sharks in in the different ways that they do Yeah, I mean, I had a point that I completely forgot. Uh, Oh, gosh. Oh, uh, yeah. So I think the other thing, too, is is you can... And we've talked about how easy it is to not be attacked by a shark, which is don't go in its house. But um, (laughs) the... The Indianapolis, they didn't ask for this, you know? They, They were thrown, quite literally, thrown into this situation, too. So it's... I think that is an important piece of what happened to them where it's like, you know, not that not that it's not horrific when someone gets attacked by a shark, but like, you know, that Australian surfer who his life was saved by a fellow competitor. That video is insane. Um, But you can also be like, well, there's a risk, you know, there it's a small risk because it's very rare that something like that does happen. But if you're doing something like that, there is a risk with, you know, the guys in the Indianapolis, the only risk they have, which is even smaller, is that they, you know, maybe drunkenly stumble over the side of the boat into the water. Um, And at that point, I feel like you've got bigger problems. But uh, here they were literally attacked to the point where they sank their boat and they had to go into the, the water. So it's not this deliberate choice of like, oh, yeah, I was, you know, diving and a shark attacked me, or I was surfing and a shark attacked me. It was, we were, you know, doing a a job. We were at work, and then we had to deal with this. You know, this is not something that you really think about until you have to. Mm, Yeah, they found themselves in the the shark's house, if you will. Um, Not, you know, not on purpose, uh, as as Hooper did. You know, Hooper actually Mm -hmm. was going out to to study sharks so i guess had a certain degree of of preparedness as well you know he he sort of knew if he'd studied sharks which you can imagine that he would have done with with that career he would at least know what he was what he was letting himself in for and would sort of have the right equipment and know what to do which i think is super interesting when quint sort of talks about what he and the others did 
to try and defend themselves against the against the sharks and i did a bit of reading around this because i was like that sounds like a thing that i know or have seen in films but i should probably find out like what exactly he means because he mentions um and this is quint talking where he says you know uh they formed themselves into tight groups um kind of like squares in a battle um and he mentions the battle of waterloo so i was like let me look that up um so from the ever reliable wikipedia i found um (laughs) that what he's sort of referring to is like a a battle formation or a defensive formation which is sometimes called the infantry square uh so this is what it says uh on wikipedia an infantry square also known as a hollow square was a historic combat formation in which an infantry unit formed in close order usually when it was threatened with a cavalry attack um so not having the the sort of the know-how and the smarts and the shark knowledge uh that hooper you know had in his encounters with the sharks what he and and his and his buddies did was something that they knew from their sort of military training or you know their their naval training whatever it was um was these sort of like historic uh combat formation to to use that as a way of sort of defending them themselves against the shark and what i could sort of take away from from what i found is that um you sort of you form yourselves in into a square where obviously there are some on you know on the outside and then it sort of like goes goes in um so you've got sort of like the people right in the middle and the idea really is that you know you you are defended on on all sides because you're sort of you're facing out um to the battle or the the enemy that is approaching um but also the kind of flip side of that is that like naturally uh those who are on the outside of the square are gonna get picked off first um by whatever enemy that that happens to be um so an interesting sacrificial element to it as well which i think ties into a lot of the things um that we've been saying in previous episodes um about uh, quint being jesus or (laughs) or sort of like uh you know some similarities that we sort of picked out uh in, in previous episodes and that sort of sacrificial um element to his to his death because he is the Mm. only one that that of this trio that that dies um so you can sort of yeah there's a lot like we talked about last week there's a lot in this that is sort of foreshadowing uh stuff that happens later and also related to stuff that has happened previously and i think that yeah that sort of formation that square formation um, was just something that that really struck me and was interesting to sort of like read about as it was you know a a pretty old fashioned um, <laughs> formation or or what it seems anyway and sort of mentions the Battle of Waterloo and I don't know my history well enough to know when that was but I think it was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, and then do you guys know? <clears throat> did you guys see the movie that Angelina Jolie directed, Unbroken, or did you read the book? I've watched the film, yeah. yeah okay. Film. So I haven't seen the film, but I've read the book. Do they talk about the sharks that they had to encounter in uh, the film? It's been a long time since I saw the film. <laughs> uh, I yeah. saw it when it got released at the cinema, which is yep. like eight years ago. Um, yeah, 2014. Yeah, they might have talked about the sharks, yeah. yeah. I can't <laughs> Cast re- I can't your mind remember. back. <laughs> so in the so, book, uh, the film is about a guy named Louis Zamperini, who is... Uh, it's a heck of a life that guy had, but he was... <laughs> 
very similarly um, kind of stuck at sea in the Pacific theater of World War II. And he um, he was a POW who escaped his prisoner of war camp. And so they were floating on a raft. But the Japanese aircrafts were flying over the ocean and they would see them and they would shoot at them. Well, obviously we know there were shark-infested waters around Japan because of the Indianapolis. So they would have to dive in the water to avoid the gunfire from the ships. But also then sometimes there were sharks down there. So they would have to punch these sharks away uh, in order to survive. And not all of them did, obviously, either from a bullet or from a shark. But it was just like, that's a, there's a, that's a separate World War II story of people having to survive shark-infested waters off of uh, the coast of Japan. So um, I think if anything, you know, in 2021, having that story out there too, it really like brings home how much of a real event this was. Not that no one believed, you know, didn't believe that before, but just like there's multiple accounts of sharks off the coast of Japan during World War II. And um I think it's really interesting to look at it in that context of, oh, this was a this was a real hazard that that you know people fighting in that theater had to consider. Yeah, I always think it's just mad how like particularly in this sort of like description of what happened is how much it sounds like a film, and I know they have mm. subsequently made an Indianapolis film, uh, yeah. starring our boy Nicolas Cage, which I've not yeah. seen. I don't know I why. Yeah, I don't know why they're. Uh, I love Nicolas Cage and I love shark films. So yeah. I don't know why I haven't seen it. The poster looks terrible. Though. The poster does <laughs> yeah. look terrible and I'm sure the film is terrible. Yeah. But the what they're talking about here, like you just sort of like boil it down to like, you know, this this battleship or whatever like goes down and the men are just kind of like slowly being picked off like one by one by by these sharks. Like that is an incredible film that I would watch. If they did it kind of yeah. seriously, um, you know the the tension that there would be because you know it, it just sounds like a really great survival <laughs> type of film that i would really really like to watch so if someone actually wanted to have like a good stab at this and actually do a serious film version of, of sort of like the indianapolis i would i would watch it in a heartbeat um because it's just it, it just sounds so unbelievable that sometimes I have to just like remind myself that it's true. Like, does that make sense? I mm-hmm. just, <laughs> just I, is that a still from the film? Yes, it is. That is a oh, still from the film boy. USS Indianapolis. Okay, we, I would we like need to see this now. <laughs> yeah, we do. I would like to watch a good version of that. Uh, <laughs> whether it stars Nicolas Cage or not, uh, you know, I'm open to that. But I would like to see someone do that film. But- properly do we know if the film uh features nicholas cage actually fighting the shark <laughs> i mean we can speculate I, I paid to see that yeah <laughs> nicholas cage shark puncher certainly sounds like a film oh. that should exist uh, get joe carnahan to make it like he made wolf puncher yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> 10 out of 10 would watch um but yeah just the the story i think just sounds so unbelievable and cinematic (laughs) so Mm -hmm. i love that it is in this film and even just the description of it and and quint talking about it in these sort of three and a half minutes of you know the whole speech just makes it sound so 
horrifying thrilling intriguing like there's so much in this in this story it sort of really puts you puts you there like puts you in the story where you're sort of like picturing like these you know and them forming these squares and how terrifying that must have been like if you're particularly if you're one of the ones on on the outside or on the edge of the of the square and quince says you know that sometimes the the shark what's it he says the um sometimes the shark would go away sometimes he wouldn't go away and his sort of like change or the way like he looks up when when he says that there's just something so like powerful horrifying just in that that yeah i i really just want a good indianapolis film now i feel like the best film we're gonna get of it is jaws and that's just quint describing (laughs) describing it yeah um are there any other movies about it about the uss um in harm's way is that huh never heard of that (laughs) yeah oh wait um that looks like it's about the war on terror nope that is not that's not it at all in uh Maybe. Let's see. Uh, in real time here. <laughs> <laughs> Whilst we just look at this wonderful Nicolas Cage still. Yep. Um, <laughs> nope. Uh, no. In Harm's Way. There's a that came up with a John Wayne movie called In Harm's Way. This is not a John Wayne movie. <laughs> <laughs> this has Emile Hirsch in it. Huh. Uh... <laughs> Anyway, um, <laughs> Emil Hirsch. Uh, nope, that is definitely not about the USS Indianapolis. <laughs> oh, wait, 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 wait. Uh, no, he is in a... That was better than dramatic. Yeah, it sure was. Yeah, USS Indianapolis <laughs> colon Men of Courage, it seems, is the only one. I would also wow. think... That and this would be hard to do without comparisons to Jaws, but I think a movie about the Jersey shark attacks would be really interesting too. Mm. That you yeah. would make it like a historical drama, and I don't know anything about that situation and and how they ended up handling that, or if they did at all, mm. or if it, you know if the resolution was like, and then we waited and the sharks went away. <laughs> um, yeah, part of me feels like that jaws took took that story or what happened in that story and then just like added a bit of like (laughs) pizzazz to it uh to to make it interesting because yeah what would happen in the real world or you'd like to think anyways that sharks attacking a bunch of people they close the beaches they wait for the shark to come away (laughs) if if jaws was 30 minutes long uh and had a competent mayor that's uh what it would be (laughs) yeah Hmm. Well, I mean, at least this means that uh, the field is wide open if someone would like to make a good yeah. Indianapolis film. Who do you think film? would be the perfect director to make a film about the US Indianapolis? Steven Spielberg. <laughs> <laughs> Wait Apart a minute. From Spielberg. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen this film. <laughs> that would be great. You know what? I would love if he did that for his last film to just kind of mm. bookend it with shark movies. Yeah. I don't think he would ever yeah. make another shark movie as long as he lives, but... Do you know what? I'm just going to throw this out there. <laughs> we are obviously very against uh, Jaws remakes or anything like that, 
But if someone wanted to make a film about Quint and the like Indianapolis thing, I think I'd watch that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Ah. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I've broken you. <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know. I just uh... maybe Cassie's son from the shark is broken. Maybe. I mean, yeah. he looks yeah. something exactly like him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. What, uh, what do you call that movie? Just J A, and it's half of Jaws because it's a prequel and it's not fully yeah. in yet. Um, just J. Yeah. Just J. Yeah. The oars come later. <laughs> That's the tagline. Yeah. <laughs> J to the oars. Yeah. J to the oars. Oh my gosh. Um. I I don't know. Maybe you know what? Maybe if that would have been Jaws two, yeah, I could see that working out. Where it's like they, it's a prequel, and also it's sort of like Halloween three, and that it's like not quite really the same. Mm. Even well, I guess it's even less Halloween three because there's not really any crossover with characters there. Don't but... remind me about Halloween free. That, that <laughs> film is terrible. <laughs> but like, the, it was the idea, right? Like, so he, John Carpenter makes Halloween three, and everyone's like, "Where the hell is Michael Myers?" And he's like, "I never said this was the Michael Myers franchise. I just wanted to make a bunch of scary movies with like the Twilight Zone, but yeah. with the the name um, Halloween attached to it." Yeah, nothing to do with Michael Myers in what, whatever shape or form. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then everyone was like, well, we like it when you make the movies called Halloween that have Michael Myers in them. And he's like, guess I'll do that. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. I, hmm, I don't know. The more I think about this Quint prequel thing, the more I'm going off the idea. But I, I think. All right. That... Who's, who's young Quint then? I mean, apart from his son, uh, <laughs> didn't we? Who did we like fan cast before when we were doing a? Have we fan casted Quint? We've done Patrick Wilson as Hooper, and yeah. who did we say was Brody? I feel did... like we had a good one for Brody. Wasn't this when we did the hang <laughs> the Hangover, but Jaws? <laughs> no, that was the episode after. Oh no, my brain doesn't remember. <laughs> yeah. Uh... <laughs> Uh, I don't know. The only people I'm thinking of are really boring, like Jack O'Connell and shit. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't think it can be anyone, like, too handsome, mm. <laughs> if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, I don't, it's hard. It's when you're this close to Jaws as well, it's just like, mm. I can't think of any other actor ever yeah. <laughs> playing these playing these characters yeah. and and i'm sure that the the stage play is is really good and you know they're playing the actors rather than playing the the, the characters, characters. Yeah. um but i just can't even in like a prequel young quint type of scenario i really struggle to think like who else could could yeah. do it because you yeah. could have someone who looks like them um it could stray into like you know bad impression territory yeah. which is always yeah. a worry with these things sort of when they're doing when they're doing prequels because i not to dwell on this because i really didn't like the film but i did not enjoy solo at all i'm <clears> really <throat> sorry i know the person next to me enjoyed quite it quite a bit yeah. um because it just felt like they these are characters that we're so familiar with like the guy is you know 
on an upward struggle like before he's even you know yeah done a, a shot a scene because it's like everyone knows who han solo is everyone knows who lando calrissian is like you're playing the younger version of these characters it's just impossible to to sort of distance them and say like oh well this is just the young version of them this is the their interpretation of them because it's just they are aware of the character that they're playing and it must be really really hard like not to just do an impression of those people um but i don't know if that's necessarily the best way to to go i don't know yeah gets a bit yeah i mean it's that's that's a great example and it's like I think, unfortunately, that film kind of prematurely ended Alden Ehrenreich's career because he's not terrible in it, and he's no. awesome in Hail Caesar, um, and he's not been in anything of note since, if he's been in anything <laughs> yeah. at all. that I, I can't yeah. name a single thing he's been in besides those two films. No, that's um, true, actually, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, I totally understand what you're saying. Although, I think... The best version of that is in Looper when Joseph Gordon-Levitt plays young Bruce Willis. He does a pretty good job of, like, mimicking uh, Bruce Willis in that's that That's true, movie. yeah. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, I agree with um, that. I don't think I've seen it. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, it's pretty good. It's a good film, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's the last film. Bruce Willis movie I remember liking. Um, yeah. But he's actually... Good film he's he did. <laughs> yeah, but it was it was funny because I didn't realize that I knew that it, he was going to be a younger version of Bruce Willis in it, yeah. and I didn't realize he would go all in on trying to like really kind of be like a young Bruce Willis mm-hmm. in it. And I was watching an interview with him, and he said that uh, Bruce only like w- said anything about his performance one time, but after a tick, he was like, "Hey, you sound like me," and he was like, "I'll take it." Like that's the, yeah. <laughs> that's that's praise enough from the man himself for me. Uh, mm-hmm. I can't believe to, you haven't seen it, Sarah. Look, uh, uh, there's a lot <laughs> it's of got, I mean, Blonde in it who kicks ass. She, okay. She's really good in it. Oh, um, that's a lot of films. I'll, who? I'll add it to the list. Emily Who's Blunt. Emily Blunt. Emily Blunt. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Emily yeah. Blunt's in it. <laughs> Jeff Daniels is in it. Um, yeah, Jeff Daniels is good in it. I like yeah. all these people. Yeah. 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 It's a Ryan Johnson movie, too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I like him as well. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's it's going on the list, all right? Okay. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Joseph Gordon-Levitt is young Quinn. Uh, no, that would be real bad. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going off this idea. I, I, I backtrack. I think that they, sh- they could just do an Indianapolis film and have no. Yeah. They could always um, cast a Timothy Chalamet as a uh, young Quinn. No. <laughs> Damn it, Martin! <laughs> Don't speak that into the universe. He, he gets everywhere. They will cast Timothy Chalamet in anything right now. So don't speak yeah. that out oh, into okay. the universe. <laughs> maybe maybe some Wait. listeners will agree with me. You never know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how he would do with the accent. No. What about what about Chris Pine? Hmm. He's too handsome. Yeah. Yeah. I don't see it. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, but the version of Quint that we see has some miles on him, you know? Like, he's yeah. been he's been drinking to forget the Indianapolis ever since. He's, you know, boom, boom, boom at, uh, what's it called? <laughs> Knocker Nolan's. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Knocker Nolan's. Yeah, uh, I guess young Quint. I could imagine him being quite dashing back in the day, actually. I could, yeah, I guess, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> My brain just thinking of <laughs> who I would cast now. Maybe hmm. Michael Fassbender? Don't I? Fassbender. Oh. Oh, sh- Um, yeah. Huh. I think I Michael Fassbender would be great. Yeah. 
I don't hate that. No, <laughs> I, I can see that. Yeah, I can see that happening. <laughs> we nailed it. Uh... <laughs> what a good poll. Yeah. Huh. Um... Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Hmm. But... I've got the look for it, yeah. Yeah, to your yeah. point, I, I would watch uh, uh, an Indianapolis movie that does not star Nicolas Cage. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Nicholas Cage has done some good film choices. Oh, Nicholas Cage is great. He's Nicholas Cage is in my favorite film of the year so far. Yeah. Oh, I can't think. Oh yeah, yeah. No, don't make me cry on air. Okay. Not again. Did you guys see it? Yeah, we both watched it together. Yeah, I loved it. So good. It was definitely nothing like I expected. It was Mm -mm. so good. I sobbed. I've never been more attached to an on-screen pig in my life. (laughs) Never, not since Babe, have I been this attached to a pig. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yep uh, what a oh, movie what a movie what a guy um, i just love how brave nicholas cage is with his film choices he just just doesn't care whether yeah it turns out to be a bad film or a good film or not yeah. well, that's because right. he's got taxes to pay yeah <laughs> i i see pig is the the like the nicholas cage that i that i like because he yeah. he can act and i think mm-hmm. people just yeah. go Whoa, wacky and, nicholas cage and like yeah. he gets you know does any old yeah. shit but another film yeah. he does really he's really good in is leaving las vegas i know mm-hmm. a lot of my friends like that as well where mm-hmm. he's yeah. like, won an oscar for it yeah he did yeah yeah mm-hmm. uh do you guys see joe Yes, I've seen that. Yeah. Oh, so good. Yeah. Shout out. Telling me to watch it. Yeah, it's a good film. Really <laughs> Daryl, Cage Rage. I will. I was on that episode um, mm-hmm. to talk about Joe because it's it's an excellent film that no one saw. So go watch it and then go listen to my episode of Cage Rage. Okay, I'll do that. <laughs> I may just do that. My my watch list is increasing as we. As By the we... way, we don't know anything about the USS Indianapolis colon Men of Courage film. Nicolas Cage could be a young Quint in that movie. Oh, plot twist. Look, we should save it for when we possibly maybe cover it at some point in the future Mm -hmm. due to some top secret (laughs) post-Jaws podcast (laughs) world that we're going into. But yeah, I'm kind of keen to watch it now. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll watch it. Um, I liked what you were saying. Back to the scene. Uh, I I liked what you were saying about the... um, the uh, 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 the battle squares because I was picturing them kind of like three hundred almost, and it seems like it might be like a variation on that when they like put all their shields to where it covers like half of them and half of the per- the phalanx or whatever. Um, obviously, in that film, it's highly exaggerated, but it was a real tactic that they used where basically you would draw your shield to where you would cover half of your body and then half of the person next to you's body, and then it would basically form a ring of shields uh, around them. Obviously, they wouldn't have had shields uh, in the water um, to, to deal with the sharks, or else I think the, the outcome would have been much different. But that's kind of what I pictured of them just... And it sort of was, like I said, but it just them circling up and then kind of like having, having a go with the sharks uh, as need be. Um, but it seems like... That well, because he, he he name drops Napoleon. It seems like that might be an evolution of that battle tactic from you know ancient Rome to mm-hmm. you know it, what Imperial France or whatever. It's it's a lot of years, so it seems like that is like an evolution of the battle. And then I just really like that they 
did their research enough to say that, you know, like it just show it just, it makes it feel so much more authentic that they really did their research on what happened in the Indianapolis on the Indianapolis and sort of like real life battle techniques that would have been used at any point in history mm. to uh, flesh out this character. It just makes it feel so like lived in and real. And we feel like Quint really went through this experience. I mean, to the point where we're floating the idea of if we're going to make a movie about it, let's put a young Quint on there who wasn't on there. Cause he doesn't exist. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But it just feels like he was. It feels like yeah. he was a real guy. He was actually there. Yeah. And I mean, all of that is is in Robert Shaw's performance. And I think, you know, we spoke a lot about this in last week's episode and probably will continue to, to do so as well. But boy, does that man know how to, to deliver a monologue. Uh, <laughs> and in this Absolutely. scene in particular, like given that the timestamp was a bit, yeah, iffy on, on this one, just because it, I did stop it at the after he says rip you to pieces so it it does then cut to Brody sort of pretty immediately after he says that but technically in this in this segment um that we're talking about it is all Quint uh Hooper is there in in the background but the camera barely moves if at all I think it closes in on him a little bit or maybe it's just the way he moves um when he, he he's talking but yeah it is just entirely focused on him and i actually had to make myself watch uh richard dreyfus for a couple of the, the watches of the scene as well because i was like yeah. i just want to see if he's doing anything interesting back there but he's pretty much just attentively listening but um one thing that i did notice is that he as in as in hooper um is blinking quite a bit uh, yeah. as is as if he's just trying to like take in what quint is saying and in, in contrast quint hardly blinks <laughs> i was trying to like pinpoint the moments that mm. he does and it's normally when he kind of like takes a pause um and i think that is significant because it means we're really focusing on on quint's eyes um and there's a whole bit in this speech when he's talking about the the eyes of the shark and we've spoken about quint's eyes before and how they are particularly striking and how when he is sort of hunting the shark he really like locks eyes uh with with the shark or with the the thing that he is hunting so um the that's just the thing that i'm always drawn to when i'm when i'm watching this scene and watching robert shaw's performances i'm just really taken in by by his eyes and i think it's in this bit as well when you start to um see not quite tears but like a bit of sort of like moisture in in the eyes and i think um can't remember who if it was a previous guest or, or something i just saw on the internet but um someone saying that you can sort of like tell what a particular take it was by how you know much sort of like water there is in in quint's eyes or or moisture in his eyes as, as he's talking and i'm not quite that expert at, at picking out you know what exactly was what take but uh i will say that i'm always very very taken in uh by sort of like looking into his eyes as as he is talking and he's very expressive with uh with his hands and sort of gestures and mouth in this scene as well like smiles at, 
but that mm-hmm. sort of knowing smile, isn't it? It's not like, haha, this is a hilarious story. It's that sort of like almost can't believe like what you know what he went through and that sort of yeah. pained look on his face, I guess, as he as he is talking. But yeah, the reference to sort of like the eyes of the shark and and quint's eyes being particularly blue and particularly striking in this scene i think is is just great (laughs) i know uh you that's well you wanted to come on for this particular bit of the indianapolis Mm. speech didn't you martin because you like yeah really like that (laughs) that line (laughs) my my favorite piece of dialogue out of the whole film the black eyes like a doll's eyes that yeah that main part yeah 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 i really love and um yeah, just a bit about uh, when he uh, he talks about um, hearing a terrible high pitched screaming and the ocean turns red. Um, I don't know why, but it always reminds me of the horrifying scene in the film Watership Down, um, when one of the rabbits is saying Ooh. about. I think having a dream sequence and saying about how how he's feeling that they're all gonna get killed and like uh, the whole screen turns red, like the sea turns red and all the fields turn red. It just kind of reminds me of that and because i i used to watch watership down a lot in my childhood <laughs> early childhood i used to watch a lot of uh quite horrifying films back then and Not a yeah, kids just, film. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah it just it just made remind me of that of that particular scene from that film it's quite weird yeah i mean there's bits in jaws where we see the the ocean turning red and this is me putting my my pins in the board again and and making the connections between other bits in in jaws but the the ocean turning red uh, we've seen that quite a lot and we're going to continue to see it as well i mean pretty much we don't really see it with chrissy because it's dark but we certainly see it with um alex and the the guy in the pond uh when they're chumming in the water as well like when Brody is chumming as well sort of at the the start like the second half of the film when they're on the orca like we see this like blood in the water the ocean turning red a lot throughout the film it was actually one of the very very first things we mentioned on maybe the first or second episode um was there's blood in the water pretty much like from the start because one of the first things that obviously Chrissy but then right after that Brody's son comes in and, and he's cut himself whilst whilst out um whilst out playing and they're sort of you know the the blood has been spilled or that's the first sort of like look of blood that we get um Mm. so there is you know the blood is in the water and the the shark Mm. is sort of loitering (laughs) for once a better phrase um around amity because of Mm. that so Mm. yeah a significance in that i i i think i've seen i think i've seen bits of watership down and was highly i haven't seen the whole, whole way through then uh, my parents actually allowed me to watch it at a really yeah. young age, which is it's just not surprising seeing as my parents let me watch films rated at 18 when I was like seven or eight years yeah, old. Yeah, it explains a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've yeah. never I've never seen it. The most I've seen it from Watership Down is the footage from Donnie Darko. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Watership Down, yeah. Um, it scarred me for life when I watched yeah. it at such a young age. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, yeah. cute bunnies. Oh. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. Oh, no. Uh, didn't they do a remake of it semi-recently? Yeah, I've, I haven't seen it. I didn't think it would be as good, so I didn't really watch it. It was uh, made by the BBC uh, remake. Mm. Oh, okay. But yeah, I, I never watched it. They it's got the voice of James Corden in it as oh, well, so that's probably well, why I didn't. No. Does it really? I think it does, yeah. I'm pretty I sure it does. I think it's a piece of rabbit. Maybe I think a piece of rabbit. I don't know. <laughs> 
I swear, I swear James Corden like lent his voice to oh, James oh. McAvoy is in it. Oh, okay. Maybe I got a bit confused with uh, the different Jameses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me. We need to check that. Oh my god. Yeah, I, I have the cast list up. It's uh, okay. So not yeah. not uh, James Corden. No, okay. James McAvoy, Nicholas Holt, John Boyega, Ben Kingsley, Tom Wilkinson. Maybe I was getting mixed up with James McAvoy and James Corden. They shouldn't be together yeah. in the same league, to be honest. Yeah. James James Faulkner's <laughs> in it too. There's two Jameses. Oh, uh, I I did get confused. Then sorry about that. Yeah. I'm really I'm really sorry for just uh, laughing at. <laughs> the fact you always James Corden because he's in Peter Rabbit. Peter Rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a shame that nothing bad happens to Peter Rabbit with first uh, <laughs> My kids, let's watch this. Uh, let's settle down and watch this cute bunny film. Just getting yeah. some poor parent yeah. getting Peter Rabbit and Watership <laughs> Down confused. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> yeah. As you probably can tell, I I really hate James Corden. Well, do you, Sarah? Don't we all? Glad that we yeah. sent him to America. Sorry, MJ. You can take him anytime yeah, you guys want him back. We will. No, we, we don't want him nah, back. Nah, you know what? Yeah, we will we're, send we're, him. We're good. Yeah. We'll <laughs> Shipping's expensive. I... Yeah, we, you can keep him. <laughs> I just never there got is... how... Oh, sorry. Go on, go on, MJ. So they just announced the Wicked movie is coming out. Like, oh, they're, yeah. they're going to make it. And every tweet I saw was like, don't let James Corden be in the Wicked movie. Oh, <laughs> no. I... It's bad enough he was in Cats, but Cats was a bad <laughs> film anyway. From the beginning to end. <laughs> <laughs> I think just don't let James Corden. Oh, that's the yeah. end of my sentence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to ask, Andrew, do you know why Americans love James Corden so much? They don't. We don't. Oh, oh you don't. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> Maybe after. <laughs> We've got the wrong impression of it, that, and I don't know. <laughs> we don't. Yeah, no one, no one likes him. I don't know a single person who likes James Corden. I know one person who likes James Corden. That's it. Uh, okay. I will not name yeah. names, but uh, I, know, I know I know Tom Cruise loves James Corden for some reason. Does he? He does. Yeah. I don't think he should count as an American or a person from Planet Earth. <laughs> so, oh, I'm a I'm a I'm a Tom Cruise fanboy. Uh, I so, love so, Tom Cruise. That's oh, that's says, okay. that says nothing about my like. I will. I am day one. IMAX <laughs> traveling to Colorado Springs yeah. for Top Gun 2 but he's a weird motherfucker yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah as a person the, the whole Scientology thing I don't get yeah. um, but I yep. just I just focus him as, a, as an actor focus on him as an actor um, yep I don't really no, like he's, him as a person <laughs> yep he's a great he's a great 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 performer also is, yeah. uh, remind me sometime she'll never hear this remind me sometime <laughs> to tell you about my first girlfriend who was a Scientologist Oh, oh boy! boy. <laughs> That's the story for another time. Yeah. I, I think. <laughs> well, uh, color me intrigued, but <laughs> I found out so much about you through these podcast episodes, MJ. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a real delight. <laughs> yep, that was. Uh, I'll leave it at this. That's how I learned that Scientology existed. Huh. Wow. Yeah. Um, well, um, how long? How long? Do you mind me asking how long you was in this relationship for? About Did two it? years. Well, wow. two years too long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Correct. Anyway. About... Uh, yeah, moving on. <laughs> and if you think that that relationship ended because of religious differences, you're extremely correct. <laughs> I mean, good. This would be a strange it, time it, to find out. Did it you're... take a lot for you to get out of this relationship? <laughs> Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid question. 
Yes, it did. It was on again, off again for those two years, actually. So, all oh, right, okay. Yep. Much like people who try to leave the Church of Scientology. <laughs> Say no more. Because of all of that Scientology. Um... <laughs> me... That old time religion. That old, uh, that old Scientology. Um. Well, I guess <laughs> what a terrible segue this is going to be, but um. Sticking with the sort of religion theme, um, just we've sort of spoken a bit about this the the formation or you know the the squares and mm-hmm. you know I, I'm with you as well MJ I'm, I'm impressed that that is a real thing and was pleasantly surprised to find in in my research that there is you know a lot of sort of historical documentation about this particular battle technique and you know how Quint knowing. Or you know his his buddies as well, like knowing all of that stuff from from sort of military history is 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 coming into play here. And I think you mentioned uh, three hundred as well, and the sort mm-hmm. of they do like a similar thing like with the shields. Um, mm-hmm. And what I was thinking there is that obviously like in in this case, in the case of the the Indianapolis, where they're using this technique, the people on the outside of the square are basically like the human shields. Um, sort of protecting those in in the sort of inner square, and you know, mm-hmm. the the shark is, I guess, picking picking people off or picking off the people on on the edge or the the weaker ones or I, you know, the ones who aren't as strong swimmers or I don't know exactly, but um, there would have to be some kind of decision made about who is on the, the sort of the outer edge of the square and who is mm. who is on the inner and the decision for those to be on the outer edge of the square then making that decision i guess is is accepting in some way that they could die and that they might need to die to benefit their their fellow men or to save oh, their I fellow see. men um oh you still there yeah i'm here okay okay <laughs> um yeah so that that idea is i mean basically what we see from from quint later is you know mm-hmm. he he almost has to die and i think we said that maybe in in last week's episode as as well is that they're really i can't see any other outcome other than death for for quint in in this film just his attitude and and the way he is like i think particularly in the scenes that follow this as well is moments where he has like a real death wish about him where he is acting quite recklessly and sort of really pushing the orca to do things that it it probably couldn't because you know it's taken on so much water and the engine is failing and and all of that stuff but um you know he he is the one that that has to die in order to to save the others you know the the shark sort of retreats when it takes quint um it retreats for a for a moment that sort of allows brody to you know get the the weapon that he needs and get himself into the the position that he needs to to be able to take down the shark so um, and this idea of a of a sacrificial death is just adding further weight to this what we sort of talked about a few weeks ago and sort of Quint being a Christ like figure. And I mm. I don't want to get too much into Quint's death, but someone pointed out to me uh, something about Quint's oh, kind yeah. of pose uh, when he is killed, and I was mm-hmm. like, yep. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, also you could you could see the entire. Uh, you could read it as as uh, I'm sure there are other religions who have something similar in their version, but Bible's the one I'm most familiar with. So John fifteen thirteen, 
says greater love. This is Jesus speaking to a group of people. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. So obviously you think of, uh, the the crew of the Indianapolis, they were like brothers, right? They talk about brothers in arms. There's a big like familial thing in the uh, in the military language that they use surrounding the you know one squadron or troop or whatever. Um, so you can see it. You can read it as that. You can also read Quint doing the same thing as like embodying once again. Like, I, I think it just strengthens the Christ like mm. nature of of his sacrifice of you know using quite literally doing what Jesus says to a crowd. Mm. Yeah. Um, in that way, which is, you know, historically in the widely accepted version of the story, what Jesus does. Right. Mm. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think I, I can't believe I've never noticed this about the character. Right? It's so, it's so <laughs> obvious, yeah. um, particularly when, you know, if you think about the filmmakers who kind of wear their faith on their sleeve, but not in the hokiest way possible. It's Spielberg and Scorsese and Mm -hmm. Scorsese's constantly putting people in the Christ pose, you know? Um, So it, yeah, I mean, it just, it makes perfect sense, but it also is just like, wow, I have never noticed that until we made it to this podcast. And now it just seems so glaringly obvious that that he's Mm -hmm. this character. Yeah. Boy, do I feel dumb. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, but also back to your, I, I, I don't think we spent near, nearly enough time on the black, the black eyes, like a doll's eyes. Oh yeah. Come back. In that, <laughs> that is the most iconic line from this speech, right? Like that's mm-hmm. the one that it's everywhere. When people are emulating the speech, it's, you know, got black lifeless eyes, like a doll's eyes. That's, that's every parody of this every reference to the scene it's that line and mm-hmm. almost exclusively that line like that's the one that really clues an audience in to knowing that this is this is the indianapolis speech that we're parodying i mean it's i would say it's it's up there maybe top three with the theme song uh you're gonna need a bigger boat and then this quote here mm-hmm. yeah um have you guys seen the episode of it's always sunny in philadelphia where charlie does the the quint speech no i've never seen the show so no me neither but um (laughs) there's a scene where they're i don't know what the context is but they're in a police station trying to explain something bad that happened at a wedding i think um and charlie day explains it as he says, uh, oh gosh, he says it was zombies. Uh, wait, hang on. Charlie Day zombies speech. Uh, yeah, he says, I've, I've seen it all. I've seen it once before in a rat and I see it now in men. Once one gets a taste of its own kind, it can spread through the pack like a wildfire mindlessly chomping and biting at their own hinds nothing but the taste of flesh on their minds you know what you know the thing about a rat it's got lifeless eyes black (laughs) eyes like a doll's eyes don't seem to be living at all when they come at you till it bites you and then the eyes roll over white you don't hear nothing but the screaming and hollering and then one of the guys interrupts and they're like are you doing the jaw speech right now (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just um, 
uh, go, yeah, just to continue with uh, like the parodying of this of this quote. Um, so about 16 years ago, um, when I was like uh, kind of like a stage performer in theatre, um, mm. I was a member of like a theatre company. Uh, they put on a um, a play called Zombies the Musical, um, <laughs> which had a lot of um, influences and and kind of uh, references to yours. Um, so the guy that I don't really I don't really talk to anymore, but he kind of like masterminded the whole play, and he was. Um, uh, big fan of Jaws, so his favourite film was Jaws. Um, it was also born in 1975, um, mm. and we put this play on in July 2005, so straight after uh, the 30th anniversary of Jaws. And um, obviously, he incorporated the, the quote "Life of size black eyes like a doll's eye." Um, mm-hmm. So I'm always reminded about that as well. Um, so it's basically kind of like set in 1980s in like a, a American high school. Um, it was basically um, the Breakfast Club meet. Dawn of the Dead and Shaun of the Dead um, okay. but they incorporated a lot of quotes from Jaws in it as well it was just a really fun thing to do and especially doing it on like kind of like the 30th anniversary of Jaws as well it was really really quite a fun thing to do but yeah uh, that, um, the just just um, hearing that quote back it just reminded me of um, doing that play all those years ago it was quite a fun thing to do I, I yeah I learnt this fact about Martin today <laughs> <laughs> at time of recording and i was like wait (laughs) you're in like a play that had like this jaws reference that is this exact scene that we're talking about today but and i think when um i think brody used the quote like um about shark eating light or something like that uh i think it's i see the hooper or brody it's in a few scenes time when they say he ate the light yeah because i i use i i kind of use use that 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 was one of my lines where like i said oh my god they ate the lights Ah. and then (laughs) a character likes how how could they eat the lights? They're goddamn zombies or something like that. <laughs> Would watch. Uh... <laughs> I've got it on yeah. DVD somewhere, but I need to I need to dish oh, it out, find it out. My gosh, I want to watch this. <laughs> <laughs> Try and recover it somewhere. <laughs> huh. <laughs> yeah, the influence of Jaws, far and wide. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think because I I I'm in a handful of films i guess you could call them for uh my friend mike um i mean they're feature length they're dumb as hell but they're feature length but i play a character who does a bunch of my character is based because they're like police procedurals i think they're based on well my character is based on david caruso in csi miami with just like all the one-liners and putting the sunglasses on Mm -hmm. i don't think they ever wrote any jaws stuff for me i'm trying to think because i feel like they would Mm. but i don't right (laughs) <laughs> yeah i don't think they did now that i think about it but i feel like i sh- if we make another one i feel like i should work a jaws reference into it now yeah, yeah. look if i can do it in, if i can do it in my speech at my wedding then you can say <laughs> but yeah i this i think particularly that line uh we were talking before we started recording actually that um we went to this event which was like uh, an evening with richard dreyfus and he got some three people i think up from from the audience um and got them to do the indianapolis monologue oh Uh, wow let me tell you pretty tedious after the third person amateur reading uh you get of someone doing the it is three and a half minutes yeah and they did the full thing you better believe they did the full thing um but (laughs) it was always when it got to that line it didn't matter if it was like 
a 20-year-old woman, a middle-aged man, or like a 10-year-old boy, which I think was pretty much the makeup of the people that did it, they all read that line exactly like Quinn, or try to anyway, <laughs> because it's just impossible not to. I mean, when we were watching yeah. it today, we were quoting along, you know, by the third or fourth time watching the clip, we were just saying that bit to each other, but like delivering it in the exact way that, that Quint does. It's just one of those great great lines that is yeah. you know really hard not to imitate especially when you're you know yeah you've got this performance um from robert shaw as well and one thing that i uh, i did want to mention i uh spoken i guess in last week's episode about sort of moments of, of foreshadowing in the speech and we've got more of that to come uh, i think particularly in next week's scene but um in this week as well and i i had to fast forward ahead to quint's death just to check that i wasn't imagining things um but he this sort of focus on on the eyes and and talking about the eyes um i was like i'm pretty sure that right before quint sort of goes into the the jaws of the shark um that there's a sort of like a fairly kind of like close-up shot of the shark's yeah. eye um yep. and there is so i was quite happy to be <laughs> proven right um and then pretty much everything that that quint says about the you know these these sharks uh the indianapolis you know ripping into into his buddies it is pretty much exactly what happens when when quint is killed so you know we see the eye mm. um and then quint is screaming <laughs> uh the pounding and hollering as well he is like i think he has the knife in his yeah, hand like yeah and he's trying to like yeah. yeah he's yeah. he's pounding at the shark and he's trying to, to get the shark and and then obviously we have the ocean turn in turn in red with his blood and he mm. is ripped to pieces because he is effectively bitten in half by the shark or you know yeah. taken down by the shark so yeah a lot of what is said in this speech is sadly what happens to yeah. to quint which i just is, i just yeah. want to say though like every time we used to watch the scene where quint gets killed by the shark you always laugh at it why do you laugh it's not meant to be funny it's meant to be horrific look <laughs> <laughs> the folly of youth uh i have seen a lot of other terrible shark films where the deaths oh, okay. are quite funny i think okay um and i think because it is quite i guess like you know the sort of the the blood coming out of the mouth i think it's the crunch it's the crunch, the crunch of the ribs okay. that is like so horrific but also just like makes me chuckle a little bit because it's just like should i be worried right now no i, <laughs> I think there is something is just so horrific that actually you just have to try and find the funny side in it okay. Okay. <laughs> i think i think that's probably it but yeah uh <laughs> like I guess how much yeah how much foreshadowing there is of of his own death or there's sort of you know parallels between what happened to those um that were on the Indianapolis and then what happens to to Quinn it's kind of oddly poetic I think the yeah know, well yeah and I think too you can see they do the opposite of forming a tight group right like right, yeah, yeah, Hooper yeah. Hooper's in the water like literally under the water in the cage mm. uh Quint's on the deck of the ship and then Brody's up top yeah. so they're you know they, they've done the exact opposite of what he talks about was the strategy that saved their lives and it it you know leads to uh to borrow a word from the man himself his demise uh <laughs> and and that I mean I think you could read that into it as well Mm -hmm. mm. yeah that's a really good point actually 
Were you on uh, Were you on Tooth Watch uh, this week, MJ? Because I really struggled to see if that tooth was in there or not. <laughs> Couldn't tell. Couldn't tell. Yeah, I was. I kept waiting for him to smile, but he doesn't give like a smile wide enough. He's got this kind of like crooked smile, and mm-hmm. they've either done a really good job of hiding the fact that the tooth is back in, or it's not in, and it's just really hard to tell. <laughs> Tooth watch failed this week. I'm yeah, afraid. he talks out of the right side of his mouth a lot in this section mm. of the speech. Damn it. <laughs> I was we need really to know. Lo- yeah, I was really looking out for it as well. I was like, tooth yeah. watch. <laughs> yep, I did the same thing. But yeah, yeah. I, I, I was in the exact same boat. It's it's really impossible to tell in this section. Yeah. So Damn hopefully it. next week. <laughs> hopefully next week. Did you guys watch all of it this week? No, so no. we we were going to, but we've been hardcore catching up Stanford on all of the speech. The... Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, all the speech. No, I was going to oh. say we didn't. Oh. We were going to watch all of the film, but we um right. we we've been Decided catching up on to, films. No. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, we just watched yeah. this bit. <laughs> I didn't either. I, I I have two out of the four or five weeks now that I have not watched it start to finish yeah. although i really really wanted to this week was even harder than last week to not do it because this part of the speech is so mm-hmm. hypnotic like it's so there's been even even times where like i i have it you know muted in the background and i can scrub through it mm. i'll just i'm so used to hearing it or seeing it as all one unbroken thing mm. i'll forget to pause it <laughs> so i can scrub back through it so then i'll pause it and click away into our discord window or whatever and then i want to go look at something and it's like almost quint's death and i'm like oh shit this has been playing for 20 minutes because i'm just (laughs) so used to that that speech uh being all in one section yeah it's been hard to like i don't know i don't know if it's just because i was watching it with martin this week that i was just like nope this is ours this is our section and i i'm really good now at finding like the exact kind of start point and finish point and just being very regimented in making sure that martin only watched this bit so i wasn't as tempted to to watch the whole thing as i think i was last week because i think last week obviously it was the first bit of the speech and it's like oh it's only just getting started and i want to get to the black eyes like a doll's eyes line so Mm -hmm. because i got my my fill of that line this week many many times over i think i was content to to leave it and there is that sort of like natural pause when it it cuts over to to Brody, um, which is what, yeah, where next week's uh, scene starts off, basically. But yeah. yeah, I'm actually tempted to watch the whole film after this episode. Oh, tonight, to be honest, music <laughs> to my ears. <laughs> I don't know if Sarah thought, would be down to. I thought you'd be good to watch the whole. It's getting a bit late now. Nah, look. No? Okay. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what time it is. You still watch Jaws. Yeah. It's Jaws o'clock somewhere. It's, it's <laughs> Jaws o'clock somewhere. There we go. I think that's the best way we can bring it in for a landing as well. Uh, yeah. I almost wish we didn't have to do the plugs and stuff. Um, yeah. But speaking of which, uh, other than your being married, do you guys have anything that you want to plug? Not particularly. I mean, I've, I mentioned my blog last time I was on here, but I, that's mm-hmm. gone a bit stale at the moment. I, because of the wedding and moving house. Wonder I, why? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't really done any, any writing whatsoever for the last yeah. few months now. But I wanna, I do want to get back into the rhythm of writing again, and um, obviously t- uh, uh, guest talk on other people's podcasts. And um, oh, you did a you did an episode of uh, Rambling Amblin a little oh, while I ago. Oh, I did. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. was oh, cool. Uh, that was 
in June, I think, June, July time. Yeah. Yeah. That was talking quite a while about ago. your favourite so, film. I was talking about um, the film Inner Space with a couple of guys who really loved the film as well. Yeah, um, yeah that was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, apart from that, I haven't really done any, any reviewing or anything like that. It's something I kind of want to get back into now that the wedding's out of the way post <laughs> post wedding times yeah um, suddenly got free time back. so yeah i just want to kind of uh continue doing that and writing more about horror and i also um write short stories as well so i want to kind of get into that as well uh, yeah but yeah it's um yeah i've been pretty quiet on the kind of film review in front at the moment what is the yeah and that is uh that's seven sausage is that <laughs> yeah yeah I, I, yeah after uh, it is now <laughs> <laughs> we, i have to start rebranding everything now yeah to seven new sausage logo Martin. yeah yeah <laughs> just replace the lightsabers in your logo with sausages yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh boy um, <laughs> that might that might have to happen now yeah <laughs> what, is, uh, what is the the actual uh, url and your twitter as well uh the movie nerd strikes back dot uh, wordpress.com yeah and your twitter oh my twitter is uh the movie nerd sb <laughs> so you can find me on there yeah Indeed. does sb stand for sausage boy um... <laughs> 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 Sausage boy. Yeah, uh, it's just by yeah. Uh, obviously, my blog title shut down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that really got me. Oh boy. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that to get the reaction that it did, but I'm glad I got that reaction. Um, I think we just broke my audacity. <laughs> yeah, it was it was loud through Discord even. Yeah, the decibels on that one. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh, that's dear. very funny uh, <laughs> Sarah did you have anything to plug? Uh, not currently I'm, I'm working now again that the wedding is done I'm working on some more stuff for Looper so maybe by the time this episode is out actually my next one will be up so I did uh, a feature on the best roles of Timothy Chalamet and uh, mm-hmm. I'm now doing one or have done maybe in the future um, one on uh, Zendaya's uh, best roles as well um, as she is also in Dune and Spider-Man and many other things um, and is sort of one of the other you know don't say hot but you know <laughs> hot properties I guess at the moment yeah. and is, is sort of in a lot of things and very very popular so yeah uh, gonna be exploring her her best TV and film roles Um a lot of which I haven't seen, so I'm gonna have a fun week of watching some uh, some stuff. But yeah, uh, I figured the easiest way for people to find my Looper articles because that website is a bit of a mess um, is if you just go to looper.com forward slash author forward slash Sarah Buttery. Um, it's also linked in my Twitter bio as well if people want to find any of the stuff that I've written over there. But uh, um, other than that, that's, uh, that's about it. Great. Uh, <laughs> is is Michi going to make it into your Zendaya list? I've already, uh, my co-host from my Disney podcast, uh, Barry, has requested that that be in there. So. <laughs> <laughs> and he also said that he would give me five pounds not to include Malcolm and Marie. <laughs> so uh, we'll see. <laughs> oh, fuck that movie. Oh my gosh. I hated that. Same, same. I hated it with a fiery passion. Dreadful. Oh, I forgot about that until right now. That was like... My own personal Indianapolis. <laughs> uh, uh, what a bad movie. Anyway, oh <laughs> also very ironic that you write for Looper, though you have not seen the film Looper. Yeah, I know. 
we need to sort that out for sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, you can find Real Perspective um, anywhere pods are casted. We're semi-regularly releasing stuff right now. I don't know how often, how long that'll uh, stand, but uh, we did one on Squid Game um, and we did one on Dune, or as I like to affectionately call it, Dunk. Um, You're breaking my and... heart right now. <laughs> I can't help but that the logo looks like Dunk. Uh, and I think we're doing one on Tick Tick Boom, and I think we're doing one on King Richard, maybe. Oh, okay. um, I think. I don't know. I really love tennis, so I hope we get to talk about King Richard. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, you can find that. Um, there's a Facebook page for it, Real Perspective Podcast, uh, if you want to like it there. We're not super active on that platform really anymore, but that's the only social media page for it. But you can find the show on just about everywhere, Google, Spotify, Apple, um, etc. The logo is still not correct on Apple, and I don't know why. I need to fix <laughs> that this week. Um, but, uh, yeah, it is correct on Spotify now. So you can... Uh, you can find it there for sure. Um, as far as this show is concerned, you can find us on Twitter at Jaws for a Minute. Um, you can find us on Finstagram uh, at Jaws for a Minute, where we're posting clips from the show. And Sarah, I think you just added to the story an incredible Jaws jean jacket that was gifted to you mm-hmm. um, from uh, the artist who who made it. Um, and you can follow Sarah on Twitter at Sarah Buttery, S-A-R-A-H-B-U-D-D-E-R-Y. You can follow me at MJSmith891. You can email the show, jawsforaminute at gmail.com. And if you would like to support the show uh, by any means, please, the easiest way to do that and the freest way to do that is to give us a rate, give us a review, share the uh, the show with your friends if you think they would like it um and with your your social media following as well and give us a follow on our social media platforms that all of that helps we are really 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 trying to get some sponsors pretty soon um and the only way we can do that is with your help really um so yeah let's uh let's get the word out there about the show because we very much enjoy doing it um for you guys and and we would like to to Continue podcasting in some way, shape, or form uh, post-Jaws. So, yeah. uh, Just please rate, review, and subscribe and share the episodes as they come out. It really means a lot to us. And if you've done that, where you consistently do that, thank you. We very much appreciate the support. Um, As well as if you've donated to our coffee page, uh, which is uh, linked in our Twitter bio. You can find a link tree to everything I'm talking about in our Twitter bio. And you can just donate. A uh, minimum of three dollars to uh, the show, and you will be entered to win a piece of uh, LJ Fam merch. And so, you know, it's a three dollar minimum entry, and you can win a twenty dollar piece of merch. So, uh, I think that's quite a good deal. If you would like to just purchase merch out and out, um, T Public and Redbubble also linked in our um, bio. You can find one of our two incredible designs of the show logo or the It's Jaws O'Clock somewhere logo um was it t public we said has a ton of sales during november yeah there there is also one on Redbubble, i think um that needs like a code so i'll try and remember to to tweet that out but yeah t public okay. without a code <laughs> pretty much has a sale for the whole of november so got it 
Um, you can also follow uh, our artist, uh, Alex, who did those, at HexGhosts on Twitter. And um, he just does a lot of incredible graphic design work, as evidenced by our, our two uh, designs. <laughs> if you like our theme song, you can purchase the entire like two-and-a-half-ish minute song at Kristen Falls Music on Instagram. There's a, uh, a link to her Bandcamp page uh, in both our Twitter bio and her Instagram bio. Um, oh, and last thing, because I told him I was going to do this. Harley needs your yums. He has not gotten a lot. Um, so if you go back to the last episode that Harley Mumford was on from Fundamentals Podcast, he is working on a Jaws song for us because he's a, he's a good man, uh, is, is why. And uh, we were talking recently and he said, uh, so he, he put a call to action um, that he needs people going yum, yum, yum to put into the chorus of the song as it is a parody of the, the Kings of Leon somebody, you somebody. It is uh, it is called uh, Eat Somebody, and it's told from the perspective of the shark. Um, so he needs those yums. He said he hasn't gotten very many, so I told him I'd give him a, another another call to yums in uh, in this episode. So uh, there it is, and we will... We'll, we'll, I, we should probably put it in the notes just until he tells us that he's gotten enough um, because I forgot last episode to do it. But yeah, send send Harley your yums. I know I got busy and haven't been able to to do it yet. So I will I will be doing that as well. Um, and he said, don't worry if you can't sing because he will fix it in post. Uh, so if, if you would like to contribute to that, please do as... Uh, it, to, to quote Walkhard, he's envisioning an army of didgeridoos, and by didgeridoos, I mean yums. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that's it. Until next time, it's Jaws the Clock somewhere.